Hello and welcome to On The Grid podcast in collaboration with Prost International. We're on episode 12 today. I'm, jo- I'm your host, Adrian Keita, and I'm joined once more by my lovely co-host, Harvey Todd. Cameron will be joining us very soon. Don't you worry about that. It will probably be back after the summer break. He's already confirmed that more or less, which is very, very good. Um, but in today's episode, we'll crack on with the Hungarian GP review. A very messy race. Um, I mean, what can you say about it? It was, it was all over the shop. Um, but we'll start off with a bit of news. We'll go with Bottas and Stroll being given a five-place grid drop um, for their collisions at the Hungara ring. Harvey, ultimately, do we think this decision that the FIA have made is fair? Because without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, I think that potentially they could have got even more due to the repercussions with the other drivers, especially with Red Bull uh, having potential engine penalties there. But we'll touch up on Red Bull a bit further later on in the episode. But ultimately, what do we think about the penalties? Both of them are too soft, in my opinion. I was very, very strongly worded after Silverstone with Lewis Hamilton, um, saying that, you know, that that was basically a pat on the wrist, not even a slap on the wrist. And it's the same again this week, whereas they got, I mean, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was Perez that was given, it was Perez and Norris at uh, Austria that were given really, really harsh penalties for just knocking someone off the track. They rejoined like a second behind, but they knocked them off the track by accident and they've been given a five-second penalty. The next race, Lewis Hamilton takes out his title rival, Max Verstappen, and gets a 10-second penalty. And then Bottas rear-ends Norris, causes the absolute mess at Turn 1, ultimately, and Stroll on the exit because he decided let's cut the corner. Um, and they've both been given five-place five penalties. I mean, if Bottas sticks it on pole, he starts from P6. That's hardly a punishment. Is it? It's not really a punishment. You start them both from the pit lane, in my opinion, um, because of the repercussions. You know, Perez has basically got to have a new engine put in, like Verstappen did last week, and it's costing Red Bull now an arm and a leg. Um, and then obviously Ferrari had a lot of damage and had one of our cars having to retire. It was a bit of a mess. Like, I, I've got to admit that. What happened at the Hungarian Grand Prix was, well, I mean, it was it was from a wet to a dry, essentially, and it all chaos ensued. But we'll talk about the chaos ensuing uh, when we talk about the race. Um, but one more thing with the news, Sebastian Vettel being disqualified due to not giving a sufficient amount of fuel sample, uh, which essentially put Hamilton in P2 and Carlos Sainz in P3. Aston Martin launched a appeal regarding this, uh, the situation and Otmar Safnar even went on to say that it was a fuel pump issue, but they weren't able to get the sufficient amount of fuel out of Sebastian's car, but also went on to claim that there was enough there. I believe it was like 1.3 litres of fuel left in the car, something like that, um, that, was, that was left in Seb's car. Harvey, the rules are the rules. And they've got to be abided, but it's a bit unfortunate because Seb drove a hell of a race. 
Not only that, I saw a really, really good point. I think it was on Facebook after the race um, that because they'd had the red flag, they've done extra laps on the way back to the pits, another formation lap, an extra formation lap. So that's already two laps, two and a half laps of fuel, let's say, because they've done an extra two laps, obviously. Then they did the laps under the safety car before it was red flagged. So he, he was already a couple of laps down. And I think it was a bit harsh considering they've done, because obviously they've done the 70 race laps, but then they've also done two extra laps, which meant that obviously he couldn't finish the cool down lap. So obviously sort of one of them, do you give the teams a benefit of the doubt because there was a red flag and you had to co- complete an extra sighting lap and formation lap, whatever. But yeah, it was, it was too harsh. Harsh, lenient, whatever you want to say, because the rules of the rules, the FIA are going to imply it. And what they did, they, they kind of just slapped away the Aston Martin appeal and disqualified Seb from the race. Um, but that's that for the news. We'll move straight into qualifying. Q1, Sonoda, Russell, Latifi, Mazepin and Schumacher were knocked out. Schumacher, Mazepin were kind of normal procedures, really. You don't really see him moving above um, the 19th, 20th mark, apart from when Schumacher put it into Q2 uh, at Paul Ricard, but obviously had that crash and couldn't even start Q2, bless him. Uh, similarly to Q1 uh, this time around, because he had a crash in FP3, uh, the Haas team that worked really hard to get the car back together, but unfortunately couldn't. So Nikita Mazepin did out-qualify him. Um, but I think the main topic really has to be George Russell, because for the first time in what seems like forever, he was knocked out of Q1. Um, and obviously for the first time this season, that happened. But Harvey, what what, what we're thinking with, with George's performance at the Hungara Ring, it, in qualifying that is, um, because we usually see him in and around, what, 12th-ish, 13th place? But clearly the Hungara Ring didn't suit the Williams car, especially uh, with one lap pace. You know, I was quite vocal the last couple of weeks saying, oh, yeah, Williams will be fine at Hungary. Williams always go well around Hungary. And then I got a bit of egg on my face come Saturday afternoon, didn't I, when they both got knocked out of Q1. But uh, it's what it is, really, isn't it? I mean, I didn't manage to catch qualifying, so um, just seeing the results, it was disappointing. Obviously, being a Brit and liking George Russell, it was disappointing to see him not advance. But um, some may say that it potentially worked in his favour come Sunday afternoon. Slight blessing in disguise, but we'll we'll talk about obviously the race when when it happened uh, and all the all the other things uh, a, a bit later on. But one more man, um, Yuki Sonoda, also knocked out of Q1. You're expecting that Alvatari car to kind of push for Q2, top top end of Q2. Especially with Yuki, with it, with his few decent performances in qualifying, especially in Austria, that is because he, he qualified very well around there. Um, so it was quite surprising to see him not advance out of Q one and only see him out, out qualify the two Williams and the two Haas uh, cars, which are basically two of the worst cars on the grid per se. Yeah, is a weird one. I feel like he either has a really, really good weekend or it's just a complete write-off. And I think Austria obviously made that mistake in practice. I think, not Austria, sorry, Hungary. 
um, was a complete write-off. Um, obviously, we saw him make that mistake in practice and uh, ultimately didn't really go well in uh, qualifying either. And we'll move straight into Q2 because not we, we glanced over Q1. Q2, the main real topic was the red flag for Carlos Sainz. Um, the Spaniard complained of headwind of wind into the into the corner into the last corner. I believe it was on on the entry of turn fourteen, uh, where he kind of went off the track and went into the barrier. Looked to continue, but had to stop. Like we said with with Sonoda, Carlos is kind of a mixed bag of emotions with qualifying as well because sometimes you see him in Q three, sometimes you see him in Q two, and this time around. It was it was a crash that kind of ended his qualifying hopes and ho- um, his hopes of advancing into Q three. What were we, what were our thoughts on on Carlos? Because it wasn't it wasn't like it was driver error. It looked like it it was the wind that picked up and kind of took him into the barrier and kind of ended his qualifying hopes. Yeah, I mean qualifying with wind is always difficult. I think. Um... It wasn't, like you say, it wasn't driver error. It was just, it's one of those really, really unlucky things. And it did catch him out. And ultimately, it's it's the dynamics of racing outside, though, isn't it? The, the conditions do play the part. You know, it's like having rain. You know, wind also exists. And with the cars being so um, so sensitive to, to wind, I mean, we saw uh, Stroll in Silverstone a couple of weeks ago complaining about turbulence because of the helicopter you know these cars are really really sensitive to wind changes that sometimes you do get the the grip swept under you from by the wind you mentioned a helicopter right there because carlos also complained in the race about the helicopter so that's so that's two and two for you right there um because obviously like i say the, the turbulence and the cars uh, these days are very quiet can be very unstable um so yeah it was it was one of those things for Carlos where it was a bit unlucky uh, for him. Then we obviously had the two Alfa Romeos, Kimi Raikkonen, qualifying in P13, his best qualifying in a very long time. That's obviously without looking at his sprint qualifying where he we, he qualified 13th. Kimi went did go on the radio and going, did you did you forget about the sprint? I qualified 13th there, but we're not going to count the sprint um, as regular qualifying, shall we say? Giovinazzi in 14th stroll uh, in 12th just not close enough to that to that top 10 really and then daniel ricardo the, the big man once more the australian unable to get his car into q3 um it was it was quite shocking because it, his qualifying performance in uh was it the steering or the austrian grand prix was relatively well um he ran well there as well it was was it was it just that weak absence um, that really cost him because we obviously had that triple header uh, of Paul Ricard and then the double header at uh, the Red Bull Ring. Did that really cost him because he he seemed to nail his well not nail but improve his qualifying performances as that triple header went on. So what do we think happened there? Was it potentially him having that weak break and maybe it was a bit of a reset button which was unnecessarily used? 100% agree. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. He was sort of getting into the swing of things in that triple header. Um, and then obviously we've had a couple of weeks in between rounds 9, 10 uh, and 11. Um, 
going into the summer break, I, I am quite worried for him because he will have to just completely readjust come spa. And, you know, there's a couple of corners that are really key to get right or else your lap's pretty much ruined. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ricardo's going to be an interesting one in the next couple of weeks. But um, at Hungary, it was uh, disappointing for the Aussie. Well, we'll definitely hear from Cameron from uh, from when he comes back from his summer break and he gives our his opinions on McLaren on a regular basis. Um, but it was quite disappointing to see him to see Ricardo especially not qualify uh, into the top ten shootout. But moving on into Q3, it was Batman Lewis Hamilton on pole position after a very good uh, first lap. Hamilton <sighs> tactics? Do we do we do we think it was do we think it were tactics because Bottas was ahead of him and Hamilton could not have gone any earlier, um, which saw obviously Perez not make the flag in time to, to start his um, second flying lap. But he did well to qualify on pole position. And I think after Verstappen's dominance in Q1 and Q2, I think he kind of put uh, the haters to bed with with that lap he, he put in in Q3. Yeah, I mean... I wasn't happy when I saw about what he did at the end of the session. I thought that was, um, I'll be honest, I thought it was deliberate. Um, you know, we've seen it a couple of times this season where not Lewis in particular, but other drivers have sort of um, got in the way, let's say, of other drivers to stop them setting laps, uh, no names named in particular. It's, it's one of them. It's a twisty last sector. So you've sort of, and it's one of those where you've got to get the power on. And if you don't get the power on, then there's no point really continuing with the lap. And you may as well just bin off the lap before you've even started. So, yeah, it's, it's one of them. It's, it's a fun last sector, but it's an absolute pain if you're trying to get past, get past some traffic. Well, Hamilton and Verstappen more or less had those laps in the bin anyway because they didn't improve. Well, Verstappen did improve by a couple of tenths, but he still uh, finished in P3 uh, for qualifying. With Bottas in P2, which was a relative shock because, um, well, I mean, like like we say with with a few of the drivers, it was a mix. It was a mixed bag for Valtteri because you do usually see him in and around the top four, top three uh, regularly in qualifying. But obviously, with with Hungary being a bit of a a bit of a weird track, it was it was important that the Mercedes drivers were able to lock out the front row ahead of the Red Bulls on the second row. As a Red Bull fan, Harvey, um, how how upsetting or how how disappointed were you to see the two Mercedes obviously lock out the front row ahead of the two Red Bulls in P three and P four? I'll I'll be honest, I was quite happy because that meant Max could not get dive-bombed if it rained. Well, that aged really well, didn't it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's a good time to now move on to the uh, race. <laughs> we've got a few more drivers to, to kind of uh, look through. We've, got, we've obviously got uh, Pierre Gasly in P5, which was impressive. Uh, Franz Tost was obviously... Uh, delighted with that because he kind of um, promised Pierre a Ferrari uh, if he qualified uh, P6, but P5, two Ferraris maybe for Pierre Gasly? Um, Lando Norris in P6, he does relatively well in qualifying, Mr. Consistently. You don't really need to glance over that because it was a very good performance. 
Charles Leclerc. I was kind of surprised with Charles because after Q2, he did he did very very well, and um, it kind of it kind of tailed off. It, it kind of it kind of dropped. But P7 for the start was good, nevertheless. Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso in P8 and P9. We need to talk about Esteban in qualifying first because first time in in what seems like forever. I'm saying that for I'm using that phrase again because it is literally it literally feels like it's been so long since Esteban has been able to to put his car into Q3. Harvey, a blessing in disguise again. Well, I think yes, first of all, and I think. Having a bad qualifying this this time was a blessing in disguise. I think the further towards the front you were, especially with the rain that was on the way, um, I think um, was letting you leaving you in a very precarious position um, if someone was to get their breaking point a little bit wrong. Let's not mention any names just now. <laughs> and finish with Sebastian Vettel in P10. Uh, Seb kind of looked like he was he was just wanting to cruise. Uh, to, to claim that P10 and keep a fresh set of uh, tyres for the race. But moving on to the dreaded race, and I think it's only fair we talk about the first lap incident. Um, yeah, uh, what can you really say? Bottas, Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen, Ricardo, Norris, Stroll, all involved. Stroll tries to dive bomb Shaw, cut in the corner. You've got Bottas smashing into the back of Norris, who basically uh, smashing into Verstappen and then into Perez. It was just chaos. It was it was really a disaster. First, not even first lap, first corner. Yeah, I mean, when Norris was catapulted into the side of Verstappen, I wasn't happy. Let's just say that. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, I think that's him done now in Mercedes. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was quite interesting considering both title contenders' wingmen were were out of the race. But during that red flag and seeing the amount of damage Verstappen had on that car, the pendulum swung in my head, and I was like, "He's not going to do it." Is it's it's complete write off. Ignore what I said after. Uh, ignore what I said after Austria um, about Verstappen having it easy because it obviously isn't easy um, because Mercedes. Yeah, um, it is what it is. It's motor racing. You're gonna have some rash moves, especially early on. But um, it's so frustrating. Well, it, it wasn't easy for me, especially seeing Stroll try to make a move from P, P12 on Charles Leclerc down, down the inside, cutting the corner and everything. It was, it, it was a disaster, but the red flag dropped and obviously everybody returned to the pit lane. Uh, and then after the restart, it was a bit of a, it was a, bit of a weird situation because you kind of seen a, a restart with only Lewis Hamilton on the grid. Uh, I mean, everybody else boxed. Uh, for slick tyres, Hamilton stayed out. Um, obviously, Toto Wolff went on to say that potentially Hamilton would drop down to, to P6 after the pit stop. But wouldn't that be a better situation to be in rather than dropping all the way back to the grid? Uh, hmm, potentially. I mean, you've got to also think in Toto's shoes, one of his drivers has already been, well, he's wiped himself out. 
you don't really want your other driver wiping himself out because he's got to cut himself through um, a, a few Hasses, an Alfa Romeo, a couple of Williams that aren't the quickest car, especially there's there's only really two or three overtaking opportunities into, at Hungary, especially in that middle sector. We saw it in the F3 that um, Victor Martins tried to go up the inside of someone and it got it completely wrong, wrecked his race. So you've sort of got to flip a coin really and think, what do I do? Well, obviously Hamilton went on to um, race for one lap and then he decided to pit, uh, which released Mr. Esteban Ocon, the Frenchman, the glorious Frenchman, the second Frenchman, um, that obviously went went on to win a race in the space of two years. We obviously had Pierre Gasly last year and Esteban Ocon this year. Um, but he, he showed so much confidence throughout the race because he wasn't pleased that Seb was catching him. And whenever Seb really got close, like we're talking half a second, he would just calmly just brush him aside and kind of be like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the lead of a race. I'm leading. There's not many op- overtaking opportunities around the Hungara ring. And I know that I, if I lead for the rest of the race, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish first. And essentially, that's what happened for Esteban. Yeah, that gap was fluctuating all race long, wasn't it? I mean, it was just over a second, one lap, and then maybe Seb would close in. But then Ocon, like you just said, would just, just calmly just pull a bit more of a gap out to Seb. And... I thought he controlled the race really, really well, um, held his tyres really well, and ultimately it won in the race. And as a Verstappen fan, we've had history with Ocon in the past, but um, I'm, I'm happy for Esteban. It's always nice to see a new winner, and just the amount of passion that we saw after the race is, is what the sport's all about. Just going to name drop a country, Brazil. Any memories, Harvey? Um, no, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but obviously Esteban did did go on to drive a very good race. Um, Vettel finished on track in P two. Uh, we know we've already discussed about him being disqualified, but even even through the radio, it proved he, he went on to say that how hard following a car is. We know that Mercedes also have that sort of downfall, but it shows that even if you're not in a Mercedes every F1 car has that hard should we say should we say nature hard hard time of following cars ahead of him and Seb exactly Seb pretty much explained there that he had a quicker car but just couldn't overtake because following Esteban was clearly too hard for him yeah it's like we were pointing out earlier that once you get in a little bit of turbulent air it's pretty much game over in F1 and it's good to see that the the people at the top of the sport have noticed and for our entertainment and for the entertainment on track that they're going to change the regulations so it's so much easier to follow and hopefully in turn we'll get some better racing because like we saw with Hamilton and Alonso who I'm sure we'll get onto in a moment um, those two were battling tooth and nail for a, a series of laps and yes Lewis had dirty air and was trying to get past but ultimately he was he had both cars were sort of cancelling themselves out in different areas of the track Alonso was better in the corners Lewis was better on the straight so it made for a really interesting battle I thought yeah it's a perfect segue that you mentioned uh LH and Fernando Alonso because 
It was just beautiful. That Alpine, that Alpine car, literally, Alonso made it as wide as possible for, um, for I believe it was 10 or so laps. And Hamilton obviously overtook him uh, in the dying embers of the Grand Prix. But it just proved the team play, Alpine, cohesion, teamwork. Ocon and Alonso have that understanding because if it, if it was not for Alonso, I believe Hamilton could have won that race because he was on an absolute mission to hunt Ocon down. And Alonso just proved his experience and what he can do in F1 with the defensive masterclass he put up against, a, I probably, I want to say, two and a half second quicker Mercedes car behind him. Yeah, it was excellent, wasn't it? I mean, we saw in the closing shots of the race that Hamilton was able to catch up to, to Vettel and give it another five laps, he probably could have won the race. And I suppose it, it does come down to the common theme of teamwork in F1. Like we we saw Alonso basically holding him up. It gave his teammate the chance to have less chance of being overtaken by Lewis, if that makes sense. I think whilst we're on the topic of teamwork, I think it'd be nice to point out George Russell early on when he said prioritise Nicky. And I thought that was fantastic because he's worked so hard for points. I don't think he was bothered whether it was him or Latifi that got points, he just wanted points for Williams. And if it was Nicholas that finished in the points, then I think he'd be buzzing. And the fact it was both of them, I thought, I thought it was really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, George just getting classier every race, I think. You know, we saw him in Austria when he, re- when he retired. He was upset, but he was like, we go again next week, you know. And I think he's just shaping himself now even more into a perfect candidate for that Mercedes seat because I think... If he's going to try and help Lewis win another title, I think teamwork is very, very important in that team. So you've done two and two segues right here for, for me, um, because I was I was going to touch upon Williams as well because they scored, they moved up into P8 in the Constructors Championship. What what a performance for them! We obviously saw Nicholas Latifi up in P3 before the pit stops. George obviously sneakily did overtake everyone in the pit lane, but he had to give the positions back uh, due to the FIA demanding uh, him to do so. But it was it was a really, really classy performance from Williams. I believe Latifi did a great job, especially defending. Uh, George did as well, especially having uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen behind him, but obviously Verstappen having a, a very damaged car. But nevertheless, two race winners behind him and he was able to just keep him at bay what do we think of the potential uh, repercussions that this could have of a constructors championship because if let's say Williams don't score any more points do we see Alfa Romeo or Haas gaining those extra eight to ten points uh, this season because I think that it could be done and dusted for Williams and I think they could have uh, P8 secured in the constructors yeah, I mean, like we said, all it takes is one of those topsy-turvy races um, and suddenly, especially lower down, the constructors can turn right on its head. Um, I mean, we mentioned Alfa Romeo there. They've, they've only scored two points this season coming in the two street circuits and you would have hoped that they were able, they would have been able to pounce on a topsy-turvy race. Obviously, Kimi having an incident in the um, pit lane with Mazepin but um, I think they'd be disappointed not to um, take advantage of it. And then Haas, they're just, they're just Haas. 
and I don't think they're going to get a point this year. Um, I know I mentioned last time Schumacher getting the points, but I, I just do, don't see, especially in the topsy-turvy races, I just didn't see enough of him being able to get a point, if that makes sense. I thought he was just sort of sat there and not really trying to do anything with it. Whereas he saw George, he just went full send around the outside because he wanted it. I think that regardless of Mick finishing P12, obviously the the last uh, finisher was Giovinazzi. I think regardless, Mick showed what he can do. Obviously, F2 champion last season um, and moving up into F1. Um, but especially, uh, I believe oh, it was it was one of the drivers. It might have been it might have been Lewis. No, it was George. It was George, incidentally, that said that Mick is a very aggressive driver, and it proved because it proved that he is an aggressive driver because he didn't want to let George buy into turn one, and then George had to kind of fully send it round into turn turn two. But like you said there. Um, Haas are, are quite unlikely to finish in the points unless we see like 10, 10 DNFs or something like that when it happened in uh, the Red, at the Red Bull ring last season. Um, but regardless, I think Mick did very well to um, get the P12. Harvey, do you have anything to really add on to uh, Mick's performance? Because it was, it was very good. Yeah, I thought it was a, a decent performance. Um, and like you say, I mentioned with the topsy-turvy races, we've got tracks that usually throw up quite surprising races. Obviously, we've got Turkey hopefully coming up. Um, Brazil's always a great race. Um, but then I'm, something's pointing in the direction of Saudi Arabia. A very fast track with close walls, and I think that that may catch a few drivers out. And I think if you can just keep it calm and keep it sort of, to keep it in a straight line, basically, and don't go into a wall, I think you've got a pretty decent chance of finishing in the points because I think there'll be quite a few retirements at that race. Most definitely. I mean, we, we don't know anything about Jeddah because it's the first time we'll be racing around there in November, December time, uh, before the end of a season, that is. Uh, but moving on to a driver that had a very underrated performance not many people really took notice of him but he managed to finish uh, p4 on the road p3 after seb's disqualification is carlos Sainz. um he secured a second podium as a ferrari driver and i don't think you can put that past him because he's done very well for the team especially with Charles retiring very early on he was able to pick up the pieces and essentially get some vital points for the team yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the drivers that fits into that low qualifying blessing in disguise because had he been in in the thick of it, I think he'd have definitely been taken out of the race. Um, so it was sort of like Seb, like Ocon, definitely starting further back, definitely helped him to, to get further up, up the field. And he did it in such a, he did it so under the radar that he just come out of nowhere into the top three and, and sort of just worked his way slowly in the early stages. And then suddenly, before you know it, he's on the podium. I was about to say stood on the podium, but unfortunately didn't didn't manage to pick the trophy up on the podium, which is a shame. A fun fact is that 50% of Carlos Sainz's podiums, um, he's not actually stepped on the podium. So it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a fun fact for you there. Um, but it's 
it's unfortunate that we weren't able to see the Ferrari man step on the podium. But looking at the rest of the finishes, we obviously saw Esteban Ocon win the race with Hamilton in P2, Carlos Sainz in P3, Alonso, Gasly, Sonoda, Latifi, Russell, Verstappen and Raikkonen completing the points finishes with Ricardo, Schumacher and Giovinazzi, the final finishes in the race. We obviously saw Nikita Mazbin retire after he had that pit lane collision with Kimi early on. Uh, Norris, Bottas, Perez, Leclerc and Scholl also, also retired with Vettel being disqualified from the race. But that's all we have time for in this episode. We've obviously completed uh, the first half of the season right there. We, we're heading into the summer break, but we'll we'll keep the podcasts coming next week um, as we are going to be looking at a potential 2022 driver lineup grid uh, for all of the teams, the 10 teams. It'll be interesting to see who me and Harvey pick because it could be different. It could be similar. Ultimately, that's all we have time for. Thank you, Harvey, for joining me. Uh, thank you for thank you, everybody uh, that keeps listening and uh, continuing to listen. Uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>